Welcome to the Life Point Louisville podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Sean McGill. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Last week, we opened the book of Galatians and we talked from the idea of two different gospels or two different approaches uh, to God. And we set up this idea of, of law and how there was this law that was followed, but then there was uh, the gospel and the difference between the two and the difference between making it, uh, making living for God about Jesus plus something else like Jesus and do this, this, and this, and he loves you versus Jesus plus nothing. He loves you, period. And so if you missed last week, go back and, uh, and check that out. And today what I wanna talk about is kind of step number two of that. Paul continues on as we go into the book of Galatians uh, with this idea of, of law and, and us all being born under the law, but Jesus coming to redeem us from that. And he sets up uh, the idea of relationship and family. See, living for Jesus was never intended, and, and Paul does it through this word called sonship, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But, but as he talks about sonship, he, he describes this basically, that God never intended to just be your religion, well, I, I get the idea of being religious and coming to church. He never intended to just be your religion, but instead he desired to be in relationship with you. And so Paul, as he's addressing the Galatians church, this is what he's talking about today. He's talking about the idea of God's desire to be in relationship with you. And he uses this word sonship. Sonship. Now, when you think about that, you may be thinking if you're a lady in the room that Paul's leaving you out, but he's not just talking about sons or males, but he's actually talking about children of God, sons and daughters. In fact, there's another place in scripture where they call males, you know, the bride of Christ. And so if you're like, I don't like the idea, I get it. Hey, we're called weird things too. And so when, it, when it's talking about sonship, it's children of God. It's, it's all of us in this room. Galatians 3, 26 says this, for in Christ, you are all sons of God through faith. If you look at the NIV, it reads it this way. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children, children of God through faith. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to pick up on this idea of in Christ, we are all children. We are all sons and daughters. And so if we look at Galatians 4, if you have your Bible, that's where we're going to be. And we're going to jump uh, to verse number 4. And in Galatians 4.4, 4, it starts off this way. But when the set time had fully come, it's crazy because in some ways, this is like Paul's version of the Christmas story. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, who's his son, Jesus, to be born of a woman. And so you know that if you've ever came to church around Christmas time, that that's kind of the message of Christmas, right? That God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus came in, he was born of a woman. And so it says, when the set time had fully come, he sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And so we talked about the law last week, and we talked about this Old Testament law, this set of commandments that, that, that needed to be followed. And when Jesus came in, he was born under that law. 
And so what you have to know about Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus, though, he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And so in order to fulfill the law, he had to be born under the law and then follow all of the law. And so Jesus came and he did that. And he did it for a very specific reason. He came born under the law so that he could do one really big thing. And this is very important for you to know as a follower of Christ. He came born under the law to redeem, redeem. That word redeem means to, to buy back or, 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 or to purchase, to redeem those under the law. And so if that's foreign to you, let me just take a few minutes to break down what this actually means. What Paul is describing here is what we would call the gospel, that God had a law, and the reality is that all of us have broken that law. And so I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but by birth, we're all lawbreakers. And so God had a law, and we've all broken the law. And if you're thinking, I'm not really a lawbreaker, I would propose you've broken your own laws many times, right? I mean, how many, of you time, how many times have some of you guys given yourself some laws, maybe in January at the beginning of the year, I'm going to not do this, but instead do that, and then you broke that law, right? We've all broken laws. We've all broken some ones that we've created. We've all broken some laws that some other people have created. It's called speeding. And many times you look back in the rearview mirror, and if you're speeding and you break that law, there is a consequence to that law, and it's blue lights. And if they're not in a good mood that day, which for me, they never are. So I've decided not to break the law anymore. But if you do break that law, because sometimes we are law breakers, you enter into this very debt-debtor relationship. And so there's this debt-debtor relationship that says, because you broke the law, this is the debt, and then this is what you owe me. And so you owe the city or you know the court systems or whatever the fine is. There's this debt-debtor relationship. It says that you, you owe something. And so this is what is being described here, that, that when Jesus came, he was born under the law, and there was this, this debt-debtor relationship within us all. The Bible says that all of us were born as sinners. In other words, we were all born as lawbreakers. And because of that, it created a gap. It created really an IOU. Here's the debt. You are the one that, that has created this. And so now there must be a penalty to pay because of that debt. And so that's really why Jesus came. He came born under the law to redeem those under the law. And so Jesus came and he lived this sinless life. And when he was nailed onto a cross, what was he doing? He was taking all the penalty that we would need to pay, all the things that we've created in our life through our sin, this gap that was created, Jesus came and he paid our debt. That's the gospel, born under the law to redeem, to pay the penalty for the laws that we have broke. So you owed somebody, but somebody came to say, you don't owe me any more. And so Jesus came to redeem those under the law. And when he came, the payment that he paid was once and for all for sin. And it was a debt that we could not pay back. But Jesus came and said, I'll pay it. I'll take 
care of it. Even though you are guilty, even though you are a sinner, even though you're a law breaker, all come and all pay the penalty. And so Jesus came, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. You're thinking, I kind of get that. Okay, I've been in church. I understand sin and forgiveness and the cross and all of that. But I needed to remind you today because what he says next, you cannot fully receive unless you understand what I just talked about. Unless you understand the power in Jesus paying our debt and you receiving that, you can't really fully understand what's next because he did that for a reason. And the reason was this, he came to redeem those under the law so that we might. So he did this so this would happen, that we might receive adoption to sonship. So Jesus came not simply for you to just be forgiven. Yes, he wanted that. Yes, there was a debt that had to be paid, but he didn't come simply for you to be forgiven, but he came for you to be adopted into the family of God because we're all sons, we're all daughters. And so it really wasn't just, even though it sounds very judicial and even though it sounds like very much a legal transaction, it wasn't just a legal transaction while it was. It wasn't just a legal transaction, but it was also a relational decision saying, I know this has to happen, but this is happening because I desire relationship. I desire intimacy. I desire this, as Paul, and we'll talk about in a minute, this, this spirit of adoption for them to be my sons and my daughters. And so I'm not just paying a debt and I'm not just performing a legal transaction, but I'm actually making a very relational decision. And in order for me to do that, I have to pay the debt. And, but I'm paying the debt so that this relationship can be put together. And so that's what Paul's talking about here. And so he says that he was born under the law, right, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive the spirit of adoption, sonship. And then in verse number six, it says, because you are his sons or because you are his daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. So when you receive Christ, when you receive the fact that he paid the penalty for you, salvation, when you accept that, that Jesus really did pay it all, when you accept that, it says that God sent the spirit of his son. There is a spirit that wants to come in you. And it's the spirit of his son, and it is a spirit that calls out, Abba, Father, now, the spirit of adoption may be extremely foreign because when we think of adopting, we think of like adopting a baby, but that's not necessarily the case that this is describing. In fact, in the Jewish world, there wasn't even really this term for adoption. However, if you're a first century Roman, you didn't adopt babies either, but you actually adopted adults, and it was very, very common to adopt an adult. The Roman world, what would happen is rich people people that had great wealth and great, you know, um, um, maybe, maybe statue, what they would do if they looked down at their, you know, their heirs or those that were underneath them, you know, their sons or their daughters, and they just decided like, I don't want to give it to them. They'll squander it or they're, you know, not deserving of it or whatever. They actually would choose to adopt adults that they felt like they wanted to be an heir. 
And so this idea of adoption in, in, in first century like Roman history, this was very common, adopting adults as they looked down and they said, hey, this person really is kind of not worthless, but, but I don't want to give them my money. In fact, if you're rich in here today and wealthy, I received the spirit of adoption for you if you don't like your kids. I mean, this is what was going on. It was just this idea of adoption. It was so common. In fact, Julius Caesar, if you look back through history, uh, as he signed into his will, he didn't actually give it to his, to his heir, but he gave it to this great nephew, Caesar Augustus, when he was 19 years old. And then Caesar Augustus also didn't pass it down to who you might think, but he actually gave his inheritance, kind of the heir for him was, was a son through a wife's prior marriage. His name was Tiberius, and he was 40 years old. And Tiberius is the one that would ultimately be the emperor when Jesus stepped in to the picture. And so this idea of adoption in, in Roman culture, it wasn't foreign to them. This idea of adopting adults, it was very common. And so when, when Paul is explaining this, this is a huge deal. Like, the spirit of adoption, you mean God wanted to adopt us in all of our sin and all of the thing? We broke the law. We were basically no good. And in Roman eyes, they would have looked at us and said, how could you give to them? How could they be a son? How could they be a rightful heir? God looked down in all of our sin. And everything that we did and all of our faults and all of the things that we did that we're not proud of, he looked down and he said, even though the world wouldn't adopt you as I looked at you, I came to redeem you, but not just redeem you, but adopt you. And so as a believer, what is so crazy, as a believer, the, the, the message that Paul was painting was, was this, that I didn't come to just simply forgive you. What I said a minute ago, not just to forgive you, but to adopt you into my family. This wasn't a legal transaction. Well, it was. It was a relational decision that was saying, I paid it all, and I love you so much, and even though you don't deserve it and could never earn it, I love you so much that you are a son. You are a daughter. And so it wasn't a bloodline thing, but it was a spirit. Yeah. A spirit that would come into our hearts. And a spirit that would call out Abba, Father. This word Abba, Father, is a very relational term. It was a term that, that in, in the Greek would literally mean dad, like, like, like father, it wasn't just Abba father, it was like dad. Yeah. They, they, they used it both to basically describe this was more than just, 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 a, just a familiar you know, relationship, but this was, this was an intimacy. This, this was a Abba father that you could look, you could look at our father and when you receive this spirit that there's actually, there's this relationship there's this mindset that God wants you to have that he's no longer just a judge in your life. He's no longer just someone that paid your debt, but no, he's a father. And that can be hard for some of us to really comprehend because when you think about your father, your relationship maybe isn't really great. So you're like, I don't, I, I don't really understand that. 
But here we have a picture of Jesus saying, no, I want to be, God wants to be your father. Wants to do more than just pay your debt. He wants to do more than just have you come to heaven one day. But he wants a relationship with you. It's the same word that Jesus used in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was saying, let this cup pass from me, and he cried out, Abba, Father. This very relational term that prior to Paul introducing it was used exclusively by Jesus in his relationship with the Father. That is the intimacy that Paul was inviting people into when he was saying that Jesus didn't come just to forgive your sins. He came so that you could have relationship with him. You can say, Father, Abba, Father. And so, verse number six, Abba, Father. And then he goes on, verse number seven, and he says, so, because of this, you're no longer slaves. You're no longer slaves to what? The law. Jesus has redeemed us from the law, and now you are God's child. You're God's child. That's how he wants you to view yourself. You are God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you an heir. He has made you an heir. And so, God sent his son. You have to get this. Here's why he sent his son, not just to forgive you, but so that you could be his child. God sent Jesus so that you could be his child. For some of you, this may be, if you really receive it, the most revolutionary thing in your walk with God, in your relationship with God. In fact, trying to do everything else in this book and what Jennifer will talk about next week, living a crucified life is almost impossible. Impossible if you don't understand your relationship with God as a son and a daughter. And so Paul describes two, two different people. He describes a slave and he describes a son. Here's the thing, quickly, a slave has a master, right? But a son has a father. I love what Romans says. Romans 8 says this, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves, doesn't make you a slave so that you live in fear again. How do you know if you're living with a slave mindset? Well, you're living in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought you. Guess what it did? It, it, it brought about your, your adoption to sonship. And so, so you're not a slave, but you're a son, and he's your father in that adoption to sunset by which when you have that sonship, you can cry out, Abba, Father, and so you can see him as a, as a father, 8.15 says the spirit testify or himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so he doesn't want you to just, just see, you know, when it comes to God, he doesn't want you to just see God as your master, but he wants you to see him as a son. And so slaves have masters, but sons, they have fathers. See, when it comes to slaves, slaves are employees, but sons are heirs. It comes to joining in with God, you're like, you're stepping into the family business. This isn't something that you have to do. It's, it's not a have to, it's a get to. You become, you become an heir, Romans 8, 17, again. Now, if we are his children, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. 
I love that, that you're not just an employee, but you're an heir. You're not just, you're not just this, this person that's like, you know, a, serving a master, but you're serving a father that wants to make you an heir. And when you understand that, your walk with God now isn't driven out of duty, but it's driven out of devotion. See, slaves are driven by duty. Sons are driven by devotion. It's not a have to, it's a get to. It's saying, you know what? I don't have to do this. I want to do this. Isn't it true? Last week we read, and if you weren't here, we read the scripture where it talked about how when you love God, his commands aren't burdensome. That when you love God, it's not a have to anymore. It's It's a get to. There's something driving you that's so different than just a duty. Like if I don't do this, he's mad at me. And so a slave is driven by duty, a son is driven by devotion. So the question is like, how do you step into this reality of being a son? Well, Galatians chapter four, or daughter, says this. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves. You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Then he goes on, but he says, now that you know God, you've received him, You've understand that he's come to pay your penalty, redeem you from the law, to do something that you could never pay back, to end this debt-debtor relationship. Now that you know God, or rather realize that you are known by God, how is it that you are to keep, or how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? And so it says you're no longer a slave. But, but you're a son, and when you know God and you understand that you're known by God, he's saying, don't turn back to those old ways. That's this whole book as he's describing the two gospels. The Jesus plus something versus the Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so how do you live in right relationship with God? How do you live as a son or a daughter? Well, I think number one is this. You just, you got to learn to see God as a father. You got to learn to see him as a father. See, your view of God will determine, it will determine how you relate to God. And so do you view God as just this judge and master that's mad at you all the time when you mess up? That's mad at you when you think you didn't get it right? Or do you see him as a father? That even though it may feel like you've disappointed him, even though you know better, he doesn't kick you out. He doesn't toss you to the side. He already paid it all. There's nothing that you owe to him other than just your devotion and just your, just your love and just saying, God, I receive you. I see you as a father. And so do you see yourself as an employee trying to get it right all the time? Do you see God as a master, like just like driving you with a bunch of orders? Or do you see him as a father and yourself as a son and a daughter in whom he loves? And mothers and dads in this room, you have to get this because you painting a picture for your little one. And one day, he'll see a father, a loving father through the lens 
of how you see the Father. And how you see the Father, it will impact how you raise your kids. It will impact those that are coming up underneath you. And so this is so important to to see God the right way as your Father. Your view of God will determine how you relate to God. See, I love what Matthew says. Which of you, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? You then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? How much more? When you see him as a father, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those that ask him? It's just a mindset. How do you see God? This is your father. And if you want to live in relation, you got to see him as a father. Number two, you got to approach God through relationship, not rules. Again, I read it last week, but I thought it was worth reading again. John 5, 39, it says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. In other words, you think that in the rules you have eternal life. But do you not know that these are the very scriptures that testify about me, Jesus, like me? Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. See, this week and this month, as we're all digging through this, the goal isn't just to read the Bible, okay? It's not just to follow some rules. The goal isn't to just read the Bible, but it truly is to find the God of the Bible, to find, to find a Father that loves you. You cannot read this book and read it through the filter of rules. If you do, you will live the wrong gospel. But if you'd learn to read it and find the God of the Bible and you'd filter it that way, oh, it'll change everything. It'll change everything. So you gotta see him as a father. You gotta see him through relationship and not just rules. And that doesn't mean you just have a license to do whatever you want. We'll talk about that next week. But if you don't get that, if you don't, if you don't understand your relationship with God, you'll never be able to obey his commands because it starts with loving him. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. They're not burdensome, they're not hard. But if you don't understand relationship, and this life will be miserable because I'll just be your master and your judge and the one that's ready to like zap you. But that's not the God I serve. And so I hope you see him as a father. You see relationship, not just rules. And then lastly, you'd give God your whole heart. How do you become a son and daughter? You just, you accept this message and then you give him your whole heart. Your whole heart. I love the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. It says, you will seek me and find me. Like you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. See, you'll find God as a father when you seek him with all your heart. You'll find a loving father if you learn to give him all of you. 
you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will. I love that. Oh, man, I will. I will. I will. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. He is not a distant father hiding, waiting for you to prove yourself to find him. No, he's a God that loves you. That when you seek him with all your heart, there is a promise you will be found by him. He's there. He's there. Give him everything. And when you do, it will change everything. See how you view your God. The filter, the lens, the relationship that you view him, it changes everything. Relationship with God, it'll change your whole walk. And so I'm so grateful for Paul. I'm so grateful for in his frustration as he looked at this church, he would just remind us about the God that holds this whole thing together and remind us about how much he loves us and it's really him plus nothing. That by faith, we just receive what Jesus did for us and then we walk in his grace and mercy. And as we seek him, we'll find him. He will be found by you. And so I'd love for you to close your eyes this morning. And I'd love to ask you a question. If you're anything like me, there's probably been some mistakes that you've made. And if you're not careful as you walk this life out as a believer, as you make those mistakes, you'll bump up in your mind to the wrong gospel. And you'll walk in here and you'll think God is mad at you and not pleased with you. The enemy loves to put shame on us. He loves to condemn us. He loves to make us feel worthless and less than. But this Mother's Day, I wanted to remind our whole church that if you seek Him with all your, if you give Him your whole heart, you'll find a loving Father that's not mad at you, but He is so mad about you. He's so in love with you. And his hands, his arms are outstretched this morning. See, there's nothing I could, there's nothing my son could ever do to make me not love him. And I hope that I can paint that picture to him that I love him no matter what. Because in doing so, I show him a picture of a gospel and a loving father that loves you no matter what. And so what did you walk in with today that is keeping you at a distance? God loves you no matter what. All you have to do is go looking for him with your whole heart. And if you do this morning, you'll find him. How do you do that? I think you just say, God, here am I this morning. I see you. I see you. Let me feel you now. 
I give you my whole heart. If you're in here today and you're far from God, in fact, today you walked in and you're just here to give God a shot. And the God of the Bible has been presented to you as a God that hates you and is mad at you for all the things that you've done. And today I hope that we've been able to change that. Today I hope that you can come to him and you can, you can give him your whole heart and realize that, that he loved you so much that he sent Jesus to pay the price for your sin. That Jesus came at the right time, at the right place, born of a woman under the law to redeem you from the law, to pay the debt that you could never pay. Today you owe him nothing, but you can give him your heart and in doing so receive everything. Anyone that calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. Today you get to make up your mind and make a decision. God, I give you my whole heart. And in doing so, two things happen. You receive the free gift of salvation. But not only that, you receive a spirit. A spirit that will come into you and will cry out, Abba, Father. And that relationship changes everything. So if you're in here today and you would say, I'm ready for that. Nobody looking around, private moment. I want to just encourage you. Would you slip up a hand right now? I'd love to lead you in a prayer and just walk that journey with you. And in fact, I really feel like today's whole message was created for you to make that decision for you to see God the right way. So if you would say, that's me, I'm ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. I'd love for you just to slip up a hand. I'd love to pray with you. For all of us in this room that maybe you've already said yes to Jesus, today I want to encourage you to say yes again to a loving Father. Father, we say yes to you today. We see you as our Father in heaven who loves us, who cares about us, who paid the debt for us through Jesus. And today, we give you our whole heart. Father, this week, may our church May the people in this room, may they walk in relationship with you, not in a way where they're just following rules, but rather they're following a relationship because we know it'll change everything. So we ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlu.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.